We've been in our series uh, on foundation, and um, there's, there's a verse of scripture that we've read throughout this that I'm going to read again tonight in Luke chapter 6, and starting with the 46th verse, I want to look at Luke 6, 46, and it says, but, <clears throat> but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does not do them, I will show you whom he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. And the one who heard and did nothing, same kind of storm came, beat against it, and it fell. Same storm coming against two different houses, one built on the rock and the other not. And, and, it, and it explains to us right here, and, and we've said this over and over again, actually for the last two years, that we're not storm-proof people. I mean, I mean we're not storm-free people, we're storm-proof people that build our, our house on the strong foundation of not just hearing the Word, but being doers of the Word. And so tonight, we're talking about, titled on my message is, Act on the Word. The benefit of acting on the Word. The benefits that come to us as we act on the Word. One of the things that I keep hearing when I pray, I keep hearing this in, in my spirit. Um, that God is saying, I, I keep hearing Him say to me that people don't believe that they can overcome situations in their life that they don't like. I keep hearing that. When, when, I'm, when I'm praying, when I'm praying for this church, just when I'm praying in general, when I spend time just praying in the Spirit and listening to God, just lately, for the last two or three months, I keep hearing that thing over and over and over again. People don't believe that they can overcome situations that they don't like in their life. People don't believe that. And you know, um, if, if you're, you know, if, if um, let's use a different example. It seems like I always use the same examples. Somebody told me the other day, use the same examples. I didn't ask you. Shut up. No. <laughs> um, so let's just say that you're a thief. And you just habitually steal from people all the time. And you get born again. And you start hearing things just being taught, like you're sitting here tonight, and I'm going to teach some things out of the Word. And you hear the Word being taught, and all of a sudden, because you're born again, this conviction begins to come to you. You start, you know, you, you still, you're still stealing because, because it's a habit, it's a way of life. But now, because you're born again, your spirit man's alive, and there's these, th th these convictions. In other words, God is speaking to you about that, you know what? It's not God saying, okay, now, now you're born again, now you can't steal. God didn't talk like that. No, now, because you can hear him because you're born again, he's going to tell you things that are not good for you. 
How many know that if, if you're a habitual thief and you're down here on Sydney Baker and uh, you just happen to think that you're going to go look for an enchilada at Acapulco about 1 o'clock in the morning and you happen to break into the Acapulco restaurant down here and you go in there and look around for all kinds of things and they find you in there and, and, and they arrest you and they put you in jail and then they find out that your house is full of all kinds of other things that you've been stealing, you know. And all along, you know, you just gotten born again, but now you're still a thief. And they came after you, but God was convicting you and, and saying some things to you. Look, this isn't healthy for you. You need to get, the, you need to get rid of this. But you may be, you may have, before, before they caught you and threw you in jail, and, and it's not going to be good, and you could be in there for a long period of time because of all that you've done. When God was convicting you and speaking to you, there could be a possibility that you don't think that you have the ability to get over this. And I keep hearing that, that people don't believe they have the ability, the power, to get over issues that they have. Now, you may not be a thief, but you may be a habitual liar. You may struggle with, you know, a number of different things in your life, and, and God's not freaked out like what my wife said earlier and what the song says. God will never leave you nor forsake you. He's always with us. He's, he, he wants our best. His grace, his empowerment in our life is there, and it's ever ready to work on our behalf. He's already forgiven you. God, there's not anything you've ever done or ever will do that he won't forget you, forgive you. But when we continue to do things, when we continue to hear and know to do things and we don't do those things, okay, there's consequences that go along with that. It's just life. It's not, it's not God bringing the consequences on you because of your actions. These are consequences that were already set in stone with God from the beginning. If you turn a gas stove on and there's a big flame and you stick your hand in there, what will happen? You'll get burned. Well, God just allowed me. No, God didn't allow nothing. You got burned because you put your hand in the wrong place, right? But it was already set up that way from day one that when there's fire, you don't put your hand in it unless you want to get burned, right? God has forgiven us. God has empowered us, and God wants you and I to be living a life where we feel good about ourselves and that we have revelation that's working in us that we are convinced that we can accomplish everything that God has in our life and, and everything that we're faced with. The Bible says there's not anything that you face that is bigger than a promise in God's Word. There's not anything in those promises that you can't overcome or he wouldn't have said we're overcomers he wouldn't have said that he's well you can overcome except for this he didn't say there was anything that you and i couldn't overcome i'm telling you god has a lot of confidence in you so tonight as we've been on this foundation series we're going to look at in in this series on foundation 
we've talked about faith, the statement of faith, and the five things that went with that. And the second category is the word. And we've talked about um, hearing the word. We've talked about reading and studying and memorizing the word. And then tonight we're talking about acting on the word. It's important to hear the word. It's important to take what you hear and do something with it and meditate on it and memorize it, spend time in the word. And then it's important that we take what we've been meditating on and do something with it. So, just a few verses of scripture I want you to look at tonight. James 1, and we'll start with this. And remember, as I've said, the reason that this foundation series is so important really actually above anything else? Well, no, no. There's two things that are more important than anything else. Number one, that you have a foundation of the things that we've been talking about to the point that you believe in them for yourself. But then the second reason is so that you can take your belief system on foundations and share it with other people and help other people out. It's not enough that I just believe certain things, but that I'm able that I'm able to answer people's questions and help people to grow up and to come out of the issues in their own lives because it's working in me. When you're convinced and it's real in you, then you'll be able to share it with other people. Amen? That's why it's so important. So James 1 um, and verse 22 says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So be doers of the word, not just a hearer of the word, but be a doer. Well, you'll never be a doer if you're not a hearer. But you'll never, you'll never be a doer of what you hear if you don't meditate and spend time in the things that you hear. Let's look at Joshua in the Old Testament. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. We're going to read it out of the Amplified. He said, For this book of the law, or the word of God, in other words, shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may observe to do. You'll meditate on the word, so that you can observe to do. You meditate on the Word so that you can observe the Word and everything that the Word is saying to you so you can do something with it. You meditate so you observe to do. Yes? Meditate on it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Then you'll make your way prosperous. Then you'll deal wisely. Then you'll have good success. Success comes from the three things under the category of the word that we're talking. Hearing, meditating, and doing. And, you know, here's the thing that's interesting about about the word and about the empowerment of God's grace. God, God has forgiven us. When people say, you know, what is, what is grace? Well, it's God's unmerited favor. In other words, 
God has forgiven us no matter what we've done. And, and how many believe that that's true? It is. It absolutely is. But it goes beyond that because it empowers me to do what's right. You know, years ago, I, I, and I, I've heard a number of people say this, that, you know, you, you, you don't want to misrepresent the grace of God because people will take grace and use it as a license to get away with something. But I, I've realized that through the years, that, that really isn't true. Um, if, if you, and I'm using, I'm, I'm attempting to use some different examples. So if you were, um, if you grew up on the streets and, and you hurt people and then you, you know, you begin to, you, you murdered a few people, okay? And uh, you took a few people out just because you wanted to. And then you got born again and uh, you begin to hear the word and you begin to meditate on the word and you begin to be a doer of the word. And someone comes along and says, hey, you know, you know you're under the grace of God and it doesn't matter what you do. So we, we realize that you've murdered people in the past, but hey, you're under the grace of God. So, you know, you can go murder more people and it doesn't matter. See, I've never met anybody that thinks like that. I, I mean, people have accused people of looking at God and his word and, and his forgiveness that way, but I've never looked at it that way. I've always looked at it as if, if I was somebody murdering people, there's something inside of me that knows that that's not right. And the more I hear the word and I meditate the word and I begin to do the word, what it does, and that's what true grace is, is it's an empowerment to do what's right. So what really, what really blesses me is to know that as I hear the word and I meditate and I do the word, that it empowers me to overcome situations that that I've done that maybe aren't right, but that I don't like. And, you know, something that's not right to one person may not be an issue with someone else. So you can't compare what it is that you're walking through with your neighbor, and don't judge your neighbor, let God take care of that. You just take care of dealing with who you are and what needs to change on the inside of you. And the more that the inside of you changes, then the more we find ourselves being pleasing to God. You don't have to try to please God. God loves you, and you're pleasing to him from his perspective no matter what you do. But for you to be convinced that God accepts you and loves you, you've got to know that you're empowered to make changes and to do what's right. Amen? And that comes from hearing, from meditating, and then doing. Not being afraid to do and to make changes. So, I want to give you just a number of definitions because of what I want to say next. But one of the, one of the things, you know, and, and, and I, taught this, I taught this last year when we taught on foundations. And, and as I was going back over these notes and I was looking at this, I was realizing how important that this is to a person who feels like they can't overcome something, okay? And it has to do with the word unbelief. The word unbelief is a rejection 
of believing in something. A long, a, a word that's close, a synonym, a synonym of unbelief is skepticism. And skepticism is disbelief of any claim of real truth, being skeptical of it. Someone comes to you and says, you know what? Somebody prayed over me last night and I was healed. I had, a, I had something wrong with my elbow and somebody laid hands on it and all of a sudden everything's fine. Well, people that have developed a belief system and know that by the stripes of Jesus we are healed and when things come against us that, that you can lay hands on the sick and the sick recover. Someone that understands that and has dealt with unbelief or skepticism in that way will rejoice. But if not, you can think to yourself, especially if you're, if you're you know, walking around and your knee's hurting and, and, it, and it's not getting any better and you see somebody that had an elbow that hurt and they, it got well, it's very easy sometimes for people to be skeptics and not really believe that what that person said really happened. Well, you know, they, you, you, just, you probably just had a, you know, a, a catch in your elbow and you, and you knocked it out and now, now it feels better instead of really believing that when someone prayed, something changed. So it's very easy to be skeptical of things happening, and that's one of the reasons that people don't believe they can overcome things, because We've been taught to be skeptics. Another word is disbelief. Disbelief to, is to distrust. In other, words, in other words, there's a time when we begin to trust or to, to believe in something, but then, then circumstances try to tell us that that's not really true. So, Dis, disbelief is to distrust or to disbelief, believe or to disfaith. In other words, not have faith or not have trust or not have belief in a specific thing. Another word, an, another definition of the word unbelief is to choose what you see over what you believe is true, even though. There is no visual evidence. Unbelief is unbelief is to choose what you see over what you could believe, even though that belief has no visual evidence. That's what unbelief is. So I choose, I choose to be moved by the fact that my elbow hurts. Instead of believe that when they prayed for me, I'm healed, even when I don't see it. That's unbelief. And unbelief in Scripture, over the next couple of verses that we're going to read, unbelief is what has robbed people from being doers. Did you hear me? It's robbed people from being doers. So, what's the issue here? We must destroy unbelief and skepticism. We must destroy it. We must destroy unbelief. Now, follow with me in, in, in a couple of different verses here. Matthew 13. <clears throat> Matthew 13 and verse 53. Very important that you understand 
what I'm talking about tonight, about acting, being doers of the word, because not only for yourself, but you need to be able to help others to understand how to do it also. Matthew 13 and verse 53. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables that he departed from there. And when he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Isn't Joseph's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters? Are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all of these things? So they were offended at him. What were they? They were skeptics, right? So they were offended at him because of the good that he was doing. They got offended with him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. Now he did not do mighty works there, in other words, in Nazareth, in his own hometown, because of their unbelief. In other words, nothing mighty or significant could be done because of unbelief. If that's the case, we needed to see unbelief destroyed. But see, it's not enough that you just work tirelessly to see unbelief destroyed in your own life. But we do what the Word says in destroying unbelief so that we can help other people not be moved by the natural realm and the things that they see with their eyes, but believe and have faith in God that what God's promised, He will perform that, even when we don't see it. Seventeenth chapter of Matthew and verse 19. <clears throat> then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast out these demons? Jesus had given his disciples authority and told them to go into cities and, and do the things that he told them to do. And they, and they ask him here, why could we not cast out these demons? And he said, Jesus said to them in verse 20, because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. You know where I gave you the definition of the word disbelief, or distrust, or disbelieve, or disfaith? In other words, having faith, and then letting that fall away or your trust that God will do what he said? Well, Jesus said here that the way we get rid of unbelief is through a seed. The way we get rid of, the way we destroy skepticism and non-believing is through a seed. Tonight I'm planting a seed in your thinking about unbelief and how important it is that unbelief is destroyed. And when you take this seed and you allow it to grow on the inside of you, 
and you begin to meditate on it day and night, like it said in Joshua 1.8, you meditate on it day and night to observe, to do. Where would you do, in a situation, where would you do something that you've observed what to do? Think about that for a minute. Where would you do something from, a, from an observation point? You've heard this tonight. If you take it and do something with it and meditate on it, that observation point comes from a place of meditation. And then when there's a situation where unbelief wants to rule, you choose from that observation point to say, no, no, in the name of Jesus, I cast that thought down and I choose right now to believe that I'm healed in Jesus' name. I'm not moved by the pain I feel in my arm. I choose to believe that by his stripes I'm healed. See, the problem is, and it's the word, it's the definition that I gave you in skepticism, that what happens is we believe more in what we see and how we feel instead of what we're hearing and saying, and observing, and meditating on, and then doing. What if, and and, and I'm going to say this, and then read my last couple of verses. What if, from tonight on, you chose, from here on out, To believe what you say over how you feel. And what if you never saw one result for the next 10 years? Does that change the Word of God? Does that change anything that I've just said? Absolutely nothing. Because see, one plants and one waters, and God brings the increase. In other words, if I do what he said and I develop a belief system inside of me that's more real than what I see with my eyes or hear with my ears, it may not be tomorrow, it may not be the next day, it may not be next week, it may not be next year. It may be 10 years from now. But if I stay with it and I develop faith and I don't allow unbelief and disbelief and distrust to find a place inside of me, I don't allow that to happen, then I will see the results. Or God's a liar. He's not a liar. No. You and I have to crush unbelief we have to crush it with a passion day to day I I, I tell you the more I have believed this the more of a passion I have to crush it no matter what it takes something that's very difficult about what I'm telling you right here is it causes you to be very vulnerable 
it puts you in a place when you're believing for something. It puts you in a place where you look like you're, sometimes you, you look like you may need to be checked into someplace. You, look, you can look like you've lost it. You can look like you're in denial. You can look like you're, you're not, well, you know, come on, man. God gave you a brain. You need to use some common sense. No, because then you'll become skeptical. Common sense will hurt you. You know what I mean by that. Do you know what I mean by that? That's just common sense. It's just common sense that common sense will hurt you. But it will. Because the Bible's very clear that spiritual truths and natural truths are in opposition to one another. They don't even make any sense. And unbelief will rob from you and steal from you everything that God has promised. And so you'll walk it out for a while. And then that comes to tell you it's not going to work. And if he can get you to quit, you won't reap. But Galatians 6 and verse 9, write that down and go look at it. It says, if you don't quit, you'll reap. Rotin. Amen? If you don't quit, you will reap. So the key to destroying unbelief is a seed. Right? Now, these last two passages, and, I, and I'm done. Hebrews 3. I'm just going to read through these verses, and then we'll talk about it just for a second. 3.12. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Verse 16. For who, having heard, rebelled, indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? He's talking about the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. Now with whom was he angry forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? Watch this, verse 19. So we see they could not enter in to the promises because of unbelief. But listen, if you don't enter into the promises, if you don't enter in because of unbelief, then nobody around you will enter in. You see how vitally important it is that we destroy unbelief? Or skepticism, because if I'm not entering in, if I'm not connecting with this, no one else around me will connect. It's not enough just to talk about it. It's like the Luke 6 verse about, about the storms coming and the house that was founded who heard and did. The person who heard and observed and was a doer, the storm didn't prevail. The storm came, but it didn't prevail. Right? But the house where they heard it and they didn't meditate and they didn't do anything with it, it came and wiped it away because there was no foundation. Right? God's saying here, they didn't enter in to the promises because they didn't do anything with what they heard. Chapter 4 and verse 1, 
Therefore, since a promise remains of entering into his rest, let us fear lest any of us come short of it. For indeed, the gospel, I I just quoted this verse. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. In other words, they didn't do anything with what they heard. They heard it. They heard the same word we heard. They heard the same word you're hearing in one sense or another, but it didn't profit them. Why? Because they didn't mix it with faith. They didn't observe and then do something with what they heard. So if you don't do anything with what you hear, it won't profit you. But I'm telling you tonight, God has so empowered us by His Spirit that when you take a truth like I'm sharing with you tonight and you do something with it, you take the verses of Scripture and you read it and you meditate it, and the next opportunity to not believe, you choose to put the Word to work. You may not see it change your circumstances overnight, and you more than likely won't. And, and you may not see it next week or next month or next year, but you'll see things happen. But what will happen is you'll, believe, you'll build a belief system inside of you where you can't be defeated. And that's just the bottom line. That's what it's all about. We're building a belief system. Remember, skepticism is putting, in essence, more faith in what you see than in what God's Word says without the natural manifestations. I want to believe the Word even when I don't see it so I can see it, so I can see it God's way. Amen? And the last verse is Romans 4. And verse 18. And this is just about Abraham. Go back and read the verses even before this. Who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And, and this is what they would be, and this is what you and I will be, if we do just exactly what I was talking to you tonight about. Not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb, who was about 90. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced, fully convinced that what God had promised, he was able to perform it. Now remember this, remember this, what I just read was after 25 years of seed being planted and meditating and observing and doing, 25 years and then the promise came forth. God prophesied it 25 years before, I call you the father of many nations with a barren wife that had never given birth and just think about it. Just think about it for a minute. She had never given birth. And now, all those years when, okay, you know, hey, she's just 65. Surely, you know, this could happen in the natural. And he struggled. So he sleeps with another woman, impregnates that woman with child, thinking that this is going to work, and it didn't work. 
he tried to work it out, had to give up all that stuff and deal with his unbelief and deal with things in his life. And then at 90, him 100 and her 90, it says, he grew strong in faith, believing that what God had promised, he was able to perform it. And that's what the years when maybe you don't see something happening, you don't see manifestation, but you're, that, that seed's going in the ground and you're observing and you're meditating and you're doing and doing the word even when it, you don't see the results, but you keep doing the word and you don't see the results and you see this stuff. And man, you're 90 years old thinking, you know, there's no way I can have a child. And, and, and yet he, he grew strong in faith to the point that when he knew it was going to come to pass, it came to pass. And, you know, in the natural, it seemed like it would have been better to come to pass at 65 because it seemed like that could happen. Listen, but nothing is impossible with God, not when we believe. When we destroy unbelief and get it out of the way, all of a sudden one day you'll begin to see things happen and manifest like you never thought they would. But that's the key. And if you've been thinking that there's no way I can get past something, I can't get over something, I can't get victory in this area right here, just keep allowing the seed of the word to be planted. Keep meditating on it, spending time in it, looking at it, reading it, meditating on what you know is right, and observing to do. And when you have opportunity to do the word against contrary circumstances that try to tell you that God can't do what he said he'll do, just keep doing it and keep doing it and keep hammering it and stay with it and, and keep Staying around people, get connected in connect groups, stay around church life, stay around people of the same precious faith that believe the same things, stay built up, stay encouraged, and stay listening to your heart to be an encouragement to other people. Amen? Be an encouragement to other people. Listen to the Holy Ghost inside of you about what someone else needs instead of just thinking about yourself. That's why we're here, man. That's why we're on planet Earth, to be a blessing. Can you say amen?